It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TikTok Podcast. My name is Steve O'Rourke, and as always, I'm with my co-host, Brett Whitefield. Brett, how are you doing today? Oh, I am doing just terrific. The weather is getting nice here in Michigan, and it is scheduled release Thursday. So I'm just peachy. I'm peachy. Yeah, I love schedule release day. I'm excited. I think that with social media and everything, like teams are really ramping up how they do the schedule release, and they're really putting a ton of like production value into what they're doing. And so it's going to be fun to see, you know, all the teams and what they do. Like last year, I really loved the the Los Angeles Chargers. I think I watched that one like 25, 30 different times because they did like an anime based thing. I thought it was re- like really well done and really unique. And so I'm excited to see like what teams bring to the table this year. Heck yeah. The NFL has, you know, they, they've put themselves in a position where they never sleep and everyone's paying attention to what they're doing, even in the middle of the dead off season. Um, it seems like they find a way to to get capture everyone's attention at all times. So I'm excited. Uh, we do have some news though, Steve, some official breaking news as of this morning. It's been confirmed by the Sunday night football crew. The Detroit Lions will head to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs for the opener of the NFL season. Wow. Easy. This is a, a big time. The, the Lions had zero primetime games last year for the, well, they ended up getting a flex Sunday night football game the last week of the season. Right. But when the schedule came out, they had zero primetime games on the schedule. And this is maybe an early indication that they have many. <laughs> Yeah. Not only that, they have to play the defending Super Bowl champs in their stadium the night they hang the banner. Yeah. Woo. Talk about like a way to potentially either crater or announce your arrival as a team. Like this is a it's going to be like a huge measuring bar. And, you know, like if they get toasted, I mean, the fan base is going to fall apart. But if they, you know, they play well, they win, or even keep it close, it's like, I mean, it, you you could see the optimism rise even more. Like, even if they lose by three, I think you could see oh, a, yes. a fever dream amongst Lions fans and, like, the optimism of the season. For sure. It's, oh, dude, if they win, the expectations are actually going to be out of control. You and I, we're going to have to combat that. We're going to have to yeah. be fighting against it. Like, okay, they're, they're not winning the Super Bowl, guys. Well, maybe not. But <laughs> it's certainly yeah, not. Know. Even if even if they win, it's not like the announcement of all right, start buying your tickets. Uh, start buying your tickets for the Super Bowl type thing. Yeah, it's it is quite the invitation to the table. It's like the NFL's way of saying, "Hey, you guys, you guys earned this. Welcome, welcome to the conversation, Lions." Now, please don't lose by thirty. <laughs> yeah, for the love of God, keep it close. I went back and looked at like the last fifteen. Um, opening night games yeah and it seems like what the nfl tries to do is find a either like an up-and-coming interesting team or like a pretty good team but not like a serious threat to beat the defending champs right they don't they don't want the chiefs to lose that game they're hanging a banner that night right and so typically that's what they do they never give them layups because they need it they need it to be a good game it is the opener of the season but they usually give them like a, a challenging opponent yet someone they should be and i think that's probably exactly what the lions are for the chiefs yeah, and it's, you know, it's a team. Obviously, the Chiefs, they are what they are in offense, and this is going to be like that big test of what does the remade D-back room look like? What does this defense that, you know, at m- many times last year looked like they couldn't stop a Pop Warner offense? And so it'll be a great, like, that'll be a great measuring bar for them to just kind of see where that defense is at. Is it what we think it is? Is it, you know, capable of holding or even, you know, competing with the chiefs? I think it's going to be, it's a fun, it's a fun opening game. I mean, it's, it's fun to, you know, see the lions even being in a position like that. Bro, this, this game could be Houston versus Titans. And I would still think it was fun. It's opening night. We hadn't had football in a while. Yeah. But the fact that it's, 
Lions Chiefs just makes it so much better. I do think, to your point about the Lions defense, if they were to catch the Chiefs in a good opportunity, it would probably be week one, especially based on the way the Chiefs have started the last few seasons. Kind of slow. Yes. Yes. Lions have a, are going to have a completely revamped defense. There's not going to be any tape really about what they're doing or how these guys fit. Yep. Um, if, if the Lions have a chance to beat the Chiefs, it probably is week one. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, so, yeah, you, like, like you said, I mean, it always kind of seems like Patrick Mahomes is he's a he's, he revs up the car and, you know, weeks the first four, three, four weeks, he always seems to kind of like it's not to the degree that it like is with or is was with Tom Brady, you know, where if they yeah. floundered the first four weeks, it was like, well, trains off the rails. Everything's falling apart. Tom Brady's terrible. But even last year. It was, you know, Mahomes was making mis- making mistakes in the beginning of the year. He was, you know, throwing had some errant throws, making some decisions that you like, kind of question. Was bailing out of like good pockets and getting himself into trouble. And yeah. you know, same type of thing. It was like, well, I don't know that if Patrick Mahomes plays like this, where are the Chiefs going to be? And so, like you said, yep. if Detroit's going to make a play as a team, like this is a, this is an opportunity because you probably do get a Patrick Mahomes where. He's always trying to do something different, always trying to kind of – he always kind of figure thing, figures things out midseason a little bit more. And, yep. yeah, could be – like you said, could be a chance for them to announce their arrival as a, a potentially impactful defense. Exactly. All right. So for right now, we're going to be doing a new series where we're, we're looking at – the best position groups in the NFL. Today, we're going to be focusing on wide receivers. We're going to go through our top 10. Um, next week, though, we probably will take a minor break from that to micro-analyze the schedule because we're going to be nerdy about it and of course. make stupidly bold predictions for no reason other than of course. schedule. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll play to all the cliches. But for now, we're going to do wide receivers, and then after next week, we'll come back with some, uh, with some more position groups. Um, but let's kick it off, Steve. I... The way I did mine, I did do a, a one through ten. I gave everybody like a firm rank, but I, I the more I f- got into this, the more I felt like there's actually tiers to discuss. Yeah, like I so I put together three tiers basically within the top ten, and I'm not necessarily super concerned with the order within the tier. If that makes sense, you can make an argument for or against the team sliding to the top or bottom of the tier. Yeah, but uh, I thought the tiers were important. So, um. I don't know if you agree with that approach or not, but let's just get into it. Uh, who's your number one team? I'm pretty firm on this. I will say that. But I put discuss. my number one. I had Seattle. Really? Yeah. Ooh. So you I, so you are going to value. I can tell right now you're going to value rookies higher than I am going to. I wouldn't even say rookies in general, but JSN. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Like I, I, there, there were probably two rookies that I valued high, and JSN was one, just because of what it, what I think he brings to the table. I know, like, you were very heavy on it, on what he can be as a receiver, and yeah. that, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of analysts, a lot of guys around the NFL kind of valued JSN as a slot only guy, but you and I, I kind of side with you on that, that he can be an outside and a slot guy, and yep. I think that. If he if he hits what I think he can be, that top three of DK of Metcalf, Lockett, and Njigba is I mean that's like with the way Seattle plays that looks to me like a potential like almost three one a thousand yard receivers. Yeah, so this is where some nuance comes into because like are are we grading this just in a vacuum or are we looking at context of how a team deploys their players seattle doesn't use 11 personnel that much they use 12 personnel a ton right and it's, it's, you know they pete carroll's talked about 12 personnel being their base set which obviously the numbers say that's not true but to his point though they do play a crap ton of 12 personnel right uh, does that so like i didn't knock them because of that i'm just point, pointing that out that as good as I think JSN is and a huge addition, I don't know that they're even going to get the most out of him this year. I think when you listen to Pete Carroll talk about JSN specifically in the press conference, it wasn't he, – he actually said specifically we didn't draft him to play more 11 personnel. 
we drafted right. him. So when we do play 11 personnel, those plays have better results, which I found really interesting. And we know Pete Carroll is like the most stubborn coach in the NFL. Like he does not waver off of his plan or what he does. Yeah. He drafted another running back in the second round. So I do think 12 personnel running the ball is going to be their identity. But does that change the way I rank them? No, it doesn't. I, I, I rank Seattle at number five and in my second tier. So I do view them very highly, just not quite as highly as you, mostly because JSN's a rookie, and we, he still has to prove it on the field. He hasn't played in a year. True. Um, Tyler Lockett's getting a little old, and DK Metcalf, um, even though I think he is a very good receiver, I do think he's very limited also, and he has to be used a certain way. And there's game scripts where he just disappears because they can't use him the way they want to. And so. that's where my hope for them is that JSN comes in and kind of opens that up a little bit for them and kind of un- – because that was – like you said, that was what kind of hamstrung them at times last year was that they didn't have a third guy that could take some pressure off of Metcalf and give him more one-on-one situations. Teams were able to you know, kind of say like, all right – let Tyler Lockett do what Tyler Lockett will do. And if we hold down Metcalf, then okay, we've kind of, we've turned it into a one and a half dimensional team in a way where like they can run the ball and then they have a a receiver and their tight ends weren't that, weren't that great. I mean, Fant didn't do all that much. And so like, I'm hoping that JSN opens that up a little bit and frees up Metcalf to be more of, what he can be and more of a threat game in game out and you know like you said i think tears overall i agree with that where you know i think while i say while i put seattle number one i also think that that could i think they and for me i think they stay at tier one but you know it's it could be mobile but i do stand by that i think seattle is i like i really like those top three. And I really like what Seattle could be with, you know, the way they did kind of air the ball out last year, a little bit more. And I hope that Pete Carroll kind of can see that a little bit. Yeah. I hear you. Um, My number one, I went Miami. Um, Tyree kill is still the undisputed champ, the best receiver in the NFL to me. And I don't particularly think it's close. Yeah. I think Jalen Waddell is also probably the best number two in the league. And I don't think that's close. I think you can make an argument for Devontae Smith and T. Higgins as as other really good number twos. Yeah. Uh, but I think those two combined provide the league the best one-two punch in the NFL. And then when you look at the rest of their depth chart, Steve, they don't have any bad players. Braxton Berrios is a very solid slot option that can win in the short parts of the field, good zone beater, good man beater in certain looks. Um, Cedric Wilson, it guys, this was a dude who got like a three year, $8 million a year contract a year ago. Yeah. He just didn't get any targets this year because he's playing behind Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but he's a good player, really good gadget player. Um, can do a lot of different things with a uh, run after catch ability. And then Eric Ezunkama was a player they drafted last year that I'm very high on. This is a Debo Samuel type player. He's got a little uh, Jawan Jennings to his game as well, the the big slot from San Francisco. Obviously, Mike McDaniel having that background, I think at some point we'll maybe look to get him involved in the pass game. And then Chosen Anderson is like their five or six. And I know everyone thinks Robbie Anderson's cooked. And I would say that that is true from the standpoint of like, you're not going to rely on this guy to play 700 snaps for you anymore. Right. But he definitely still gives you a legit deep threat option. Um, and he's their fifth or sixth receiver, so who who cares, really? The depth here is insane, plus they have the top, the one-two punch in the NFL, in my opinion. So um, for that reason, I put Miami number one. I had Miami number two, and okay. again, again, I think I just valued where, their, where Seattle's third threat was like compared to Miami. I thought that their third guy in JSN is a quite a bit of step above a, like what Miami has potentially as a third guy. And so I think that that was where yeah. the, like the differential came in for me. These, and as you said, it with uh, chosen Anderson, I honestly forgot that he changed his name. I saw, I saw <laughs> that name and it took me a minute 
to rem- to figure out who that was again. But it would be, I mean, it's it'll be interesting. Like, think about throwing out a, a Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Chosen Anderson, uh, eleven personnel, and then just running four verts. What do you do as a defense? Pray. You run and hide. Yeah. Do you? I mean, you just you play your safeties thirty five yards deep. Like, and that's what I. Re- that's what I like about their depth. They don't have studs, at, you know, at three, four, five, six necessarily, but they have guys that all do something really well. Like Braxton Barris is a legit slot weapon. Chosen Anderson's yeah. a legit deep target. Wilson and Enzukama are legit rack players. So it's like, you know, if for whatever reason Hill or Waddle were hurt, it's like they they know they can at least manufacture production or roles from those guys based on their skill sets, which I, I really like. These aren't just yeah. guys that, you know, they're just average and kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. So, um, all right. For so they were your two. So let's yep. talk about my two then. My two was the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Um, I think Chase. It's like if you made a, a a tier list of the top receivers in football, I think it's probably four deep: Tyreek, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams. Um, so Chase is in there. I've already mentioned Higgins is probably the other really, really good number two in the NFL where it's like, yeah, he's probably a one on most teams. He just happens to play on a team where he's not. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and then he's really good. And Tyler Boyd is obviously tried and true. I do think he's not as good as he once was, but he's, you know, he's still a pretty good player, a really good number three. And they drafted Charlie Jones, who is a guy that I absolutely love. If he replaces Tyler Boyd this year, that offense gets better to me because he's got a lot more juice than uh, than Tyler Boyd does. Yeah. So, yeah. Since, uh, I mean, since he was number three for me. Nice. And again, so like right in that that first tier of group of wide receiver rooms. Sweet. And yeah, uh, I agree. Tyler Boyd, he's a Tyler Boyd's a useful player. He is getting older. He's moving is he is he's not over thirty yet, is he? I think he is. So like yeah, I mean I think with most and with a lot of NFL players outside of quarterback 30 kind of is where a kind of a cliff can happen or a plat or not necessarily plateau, but just like you start to see it falling off. And so that's what I think you could start. You'll start to see, and you did start to see with Tyler Boyd. He lost a little bit of his effectiveness in the middle of the field last year. He was a little bit more banged up last year. And so that's only 28 actually. Oh, wow. Okay. But still like, Again, I think you you saw it start. You saw him start to, yeah, move on the other side of the ascension. You know, it's 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 coming down on the downhill for him. Theoretically, that could change, but like you said, I mean, Jamar Chase and T Higgins are, especially with Joe Burrow and what how that offense knows what they have in Chase and Higgins and how like how. They can they put the ball in there, put them in jump ball situations, and they know what they can be. I mean, that's they easily like they easily could be argued as a as the number one team. They easily could be argued as you know number two for me. It's it's you're arguing minor differences between these groups a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's my top tier. My top tier was uh, oh sorry, we only did. Yeah, we need your number three because I. But yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm confusing myself. Um, so since he was your three, so my three was the Philadelphia Eagles. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, obviously provide a, a one-two point. Oh, I meant to put Brown in that top tier of receivers, by the way. I think that's yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, Brown, Brown's probably my my two or three. Um, you can argue Jamar Chase ahead of him, but I, I like Tyreek. And then a- I think AJ Brown does just so many different things well that he's – you know he's pretty scheme proof. He's pretty foolproof. Uh, there's not really a defensive scheme to take him away, take him out of the game. So yeah, um, I, I love Brown. I do think the Eagles lack depth though, so I struggled with that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, once you get past Devonte, it's uh, it's pretty tough. But I think Brown and Devonte might be the, you know, they're the, probably the third best duo in the NFL. So. Um, Quez Watkins has some speed. I, I've been told by by some insiders that they are really, really high on Zacchaeus, and they think he brings them a legit, you know, element from the slot. 
and maybe even a vertical element from the slot too. So I, I think Zacchaeus ends up starting for them. I think he's their wide receiver three this year. But and he he's a decent player for sure. But the the depth is definitely concerning. If if AJ Brown or Smith go down, ooh, I mean we saw AJ Brown was banged up at times last year, and, and they ended up having to run the ball a lot. So yeah, and kind of what you said with Seattle, um, you know them not having as potent of a third guy in the room it's okay because they're not they run a little bit more heavy personnel they're okay running a little bit more of like two tight end things like that and so i think that they like you said aj brown and devonta smith are going to be the guys that are going to be on the field all the time and i like i do like zacchaeus i watching through atlanta film he he pops as a route runner every once in a while and he can he can work the middle of the field and he can work as a deep threat so he's a he's a guy that could potentially be more noticeable as he gets a little bit more room to operate with you know in atlanta there wasn't in his time that he was there it wasn't conducive to him being you know popping off as a potential third threat because they barely had their one and two threat go off at all so like he's he's into a completely different situation that could allow him to show a little bit more of his chops as a route runner in the slot and things like that where did you have philly ranked i had philly at five five okay um so yeah my top tier was miami cincy and philly um and then my next tier of teams is five deep um so why don't throw out your who's your number four? My number four is the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. I this is unfortunately it's looking at it on paper, assuming they stay healthy, which is a big thing for them because Keenan Allen has been hurt, Mike Williams has been hurt. But this was the other Quentin Johnson was the other rookie that I kind of valued because of the situation, because of the room that he's in. I think that he elevates this this receiving group and this offense to something even better than what it has been. It, I think that it allows for the offense to open up even more, and it allows, you know, with Kellen Moore coming in, I think they're going to run more unique route concepts. I think they're going to run a, a more or just a better passing offense than you know running stick running stick concept on what seemed like 50% of their uh, passing plays. Um, I think that like Josh Palmer being pushed to the, like the, the fourth guy or even, you know, fighting with Guyton as like the fourth, fourth, fifth guy, he's more useful there. Cause he, I think he is a useful player, but he, he's, he was not a number three. He's not a guy that you want out there at 11 personnel all the time. And I think that being able to push him back and replace him with like Quentin Johnson and having three, you know, really big guys that all can win at win at the catch point. I think I like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Quentin Johnson and what they can be. And like I said, I think Josh Palmer offers something as a fourth and Guyton offers like, you know, he was their he was their deep threat guy last year and being able to utilize him or have him less focused on and in as a deep guy. You know, potentially just I think their offense opens up more with the addition of Quentin Johnson. So I, I liked them at that. I liked them at the fourth spot. Right on. I have the Chargers in this tier. I have them at sixth. Um, you know, enough can't be said about Keenan Allen and his consistency. The guy is year in and year out one of the best separators in the league. He's going to win routes consistently, whether it's zone or man. He's a security blanket for Justin Herbert. He is pretty limited dynamically, though. So is Mike Williams. Mike Williams isn't much of a playmaker. If you know, if he is making plays, it's it's in really wonky contested catch situations downfield. <laughs> don't necessarily want to force the ball into like they have yeah. had to. He's been their only deep threat. Um, this is why I love the Quinton Johnson selection so much because they desperately needed playmaking. Yes. They go out, they get a receiver who's phenomenal after the catch. They needed that rack element in their game. They pretty yes. much strictly relied on Austin Eckler to give them that and it's tough when you're throwing him the ball behind the line of scrimmage so um, Quinton Johnson gives them a legit rack element and a legit downfield speed element that playmaking ability really elevates this entire unit and then you're kicking Josh Palmer down a spot which helps 
Palmer should be the Keenan Allen contingency plan. If Allen goes down, I think Palmer can play that role decently, but he doesn't do anything else well. So, you, you know, you, you want Palmer as a reserve there and as more of an insurance policy than a, than a, you know, a big-time contributor that's playing 500-plus snaps a year. And then Jalen Guyton, again, just, you know, more speed on the bench. So adding Quinton Johnson kind of really helps the whole unit as, as a whole. And I do I do like what they've done in, you know, like I said, th- these tiers, they're kind of – you can change the teams in and out. You know, I, you could definitely make the argument to put them at four for me as well. Um, but I like them. My number four made, team is – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you made a great point of moving – now you move Eckler targets to the fourth option instead of the third option. Running back targets are traditionally not, you know, not as valuable. Eckler, Very you know, take, Eckler takes it a step above. I think, you know, he's he's unique in that, but – you know, being able to shift that down a level and have an actual a guy that you can get valuable targets in as a third guy like that is a, that's going to be I think that's going to be a huge element to their offense. Agreed. Uh, my fourth team was the Minnesota Vikings. Um, again, this is this comes down to you know the way they use their their personnel. Jefferson being so freaking good. Jeff, I mean, <laughs> dude. They had basically nothing at receiver last year. Like Adam Thielen's a corpse. KJ Osborne is not a two. He's just he's a three. Yep. And Jefferson was getting doubled a ton. They were rolling coverages his direction, and he still produced at an insanely high level. They get Jordan Addison, and this this is actually more of a needle mover for me than Quinton Johnson and George, Jackson Smith and Jigba, because no receiver in this draft class is better and more effective at beating single coverage with route running and separation than Jordan Addison is. Yeah. And he will never see a double his entire career playing across from Justin Jefferson. Nope. (laughs) And so you're just asking him to go do what he's done at the college level, which is shred single coverage, whether that's zone, whether it's off zone, he has the chops to beat it, whether it's press man, he can beat it. I absolutely love this draft pick, and I don't typically rate rookies this high. But in this scenario specifically, they they needed to get a guy opposite Jefferson that can win. And this is just going to elevate the rest of the the team. This elevates K.J. Osborne because Osborne was having to do things he's not good at last year because Thielen was pretty much dead. Uh, I really, really, really like the the Jordan Addison fit here. And this ultimately comes down to that plus Justin Jefferson just being so damn good. If, you know, the depth here is still an issue like it was for Philly. Like if one of those two guys goes down, they're back to not having a good unit, but you know, in a vacuum, I'll, I'll take what they have over a lot of teams. And for that reason, they're my number four. Yeah. Did you have the Vikings in your top 10? I did. I did. Cause I, I mean, I think you'd be, you'd be lying if even, <laughs> even without anything, just Justin Jefferson himself, has to yeah. put them in a top 10. I had them at um I had them at number 8. Number 8. All right. I, I can live with it. Just cuz I this tier for me. <laughs> KJ Osborne is a little bit I don't yeah. know, like I don't I'm not that bought into him. If we were talking past catching groups instead of just receivers it might be it would probably be a little bit different, but yeah. I Hawkinson, just Oliver in the mix, yeah. Yeah. KJ Osborne you know, like you said, hopefully it opens up a little bit. Like you said, I, Adam Thielen was running track meets out there uh, every okay. single game. He was just there as whatever he was, and that's you know that was fine, <laughs> and it didn't really it didn't move the needle at all. But yeah, I think I I couldn't in good faith not put Minnesota in the top ten because Justin yeah. Jefferson is a monster of his own. Agreed. All right, so you had Philly as your fifth team. Yep. Talked about in length. I had Seattle as my fifth team. Yep. I had the Chargers as my sixth team, which we've already talked about. So lay out your sixth team for the people, Steve. My sixth team is the Washington Commanders. All right, I will say now we've we've unveiled – at least six on both sides that you've unveiled seven teams and yet we so far no discrepancies here as far as ha- not having one of these teams in the top 10 because i have the washington commanders at seven so we are pretty close there break it down for me yeah well i mean mclaurin he's 
I think he's, a, if, you know, we were kind of listing the tier one of just like number one receivers. McLaurin's right there at the top of tier two, almost tier one. And I think the, he's, a, he's a great route runner. He wins at the catch point. He can completely change defense's game plan. I, he's, he's perennially just very he's, good. He's bloody good at everything, bro. So good. I mean, and it's it always stinks that he's been stuck in Washington with the quarterback situations that they've had, and he hasn't had just the opportunity to like really, you know, announce himself. I mean, if you're if as a cat for I should say for casual NFL fans, casual NFL fans, they know the name, but like he's not a guy that you're going to go out of your way and watch. You're not going to go out of your way and watch the Washington Commanders at any point, really. But McLaurin is so good, and I. I really like Jahan Dotson. I think that if he's he- completely healthy this year and stays healthy, like he's another guy that really was – he proved himself as a route runner. He really was, was able to work in a lot of different areas of the field and showed himself to be a pretty versatile receiver. And then yep. Curtis Samuel is he's – he's a useful player. And he's a guy really? that he, – he has speed. He's – you know, he was uses a lot as a gadget guy. And again, he's another guy that where health has kind of come in at, from time to time. But if he stays healthy, like that's like those three McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, and then even into their fourth with Diami Brown, like that's just a lot of a lot of speed and a lot of good route runners that can put teams in a lot of like defenses in a lot of disadvantage, disadvantageous yeah. positions like the mat like that they're a matchup nightmare. They don't have a lot of height. That's, you know, but it's all a lot of guys that are like good route runners and can win in space. And that's, I think even like bringing in Jacoby Brissett or if they go with Sam Howell, whoever they end up going with, I think is a step up from what they had last year. And like, it's just guys that you can get the ball at any point at any area of the field because of how they like they can win in one-on-one situations you're not really going to be in a spot where you can double or really key in on anyone because all of these guys are able to make plays especially in the intermediate of the field in the middle of the field like terry mclaurin's arguably one of the best receivers in the middle of the field in my opinion like the way the way he runs dig routes the way he runs crossing routes the way he is able to set uh, set defenders up to win in the middle of the field i think that they're i really like the receiving room yeah agreed um so mclaurin the the casual fan has no idea how good he is because he's been just saddled with awful quarterback play his entire career i don't unfortunately think it's going to get much better this year i think Brissett is definitely an upgrade i think howell could be an upgrade as well it's still not what you want for an elite level receiver. No, I would, even a Kirk Cousins level quarterback would make this dude explode. Like, oh his my numbers yes, would, would get crazy if he had if he had just had a Kirk Cousins level quarterback or Jared Goff even. Um, it, but yeah, that's like the one thing of like him as a number one receiver. Like he by his own team, he doesn't get treated like the number one receiver he should be. It should be minimum ten targets a game every game without a doubt but like not it's not his fault he wins constantly on film like constantly he is winning matchups on film it's just that he hasn't had quarterbacks that consistently look his way for whatever reason yeah he's a filthy route runner filthy release game he's really 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 freaking good at the catch point too for a small he's not small but he's not big either yeah, uh, for an average size receiver, he is disgusting at the catch point. Um, also, one thing I love about Terry McLaurin is he is the only receiver in the NFL that is good that claps the football. <laughs> he doesn't deal with drops, and I don't know how because he literally looks like an alligator trying to catch the ball. Yeah, it is so weird. His catch technique is so weird. It's so unorthodox, but it works for him. I guess he must have the best hand-eye coordination of all time. Right. He will literally clap a fastball coming right at his face without any hitches. He won't bobble it. He won't mistime it. Nothing. It's it's insane. And you know what I think really helps him on contested catches? And this is going to – I'm like the, the scouting community is going to be so pissed that I'm saying this. So good defensive backs, they don't watch the ball necessarily in the air because sometimes you just can't get your head around if you're in phase. 
Yeah. They watch the receiver's hands. Yep. Because McLaurin doesn't have a normal catch technique, they have no idea when the ball's arriving. Because he's not he doesn't greet the ball like a normal receiver does. He claps it. So it's yeah. like it's like a snap. It's like an instant thing where he just boom, claps the ball out of the air. It's so weird. And I, I tell I'm telling you right now, I do think that helps him in contested situations because he's smaller. Like he doesn't have a lot of body mass. Not not the you know most play strength in the world either, but I think that catch technique really stops DBs from getting into his hands and, and timing when the ball gets there for their strike. I think it's a fascinating thing. I want to like, I want to go through every receiver now and chart their catch technique and see how it affects them at the catch point. Yeah. And then jumping off of that, I think that Jahan Dotson had absolutely has a chance to kind of announce himself as a legitimate yeah. number two threat in the NFL. I think that we started to see it at times last year. Like he had quite a few games where he kind of blew up, but yeah and that's and that's what washington's built off of is they just have all of these guys who are like all the same height but they are just so good at setting up their at setting up defenders and winning at the at the top of their routes not to spend like an hour on washington but a sneaky thing here too by the way sam howell wins that job is diami brown howell and brown's connection in college was unbelievable chemistry dude like I mean, anytime Howell needed a big play, he found Diami Brown, and Diami Brown was out there making plays. So if if Brown's ever going to break out, it would not surprise me if it happened to be with Sam Howell at quarterback. So yeah, and he he seemed to be kind of stuck in purgatory with that team. Like he never really like it. Yeah. It did. It came along at times last year. You saw it pop at times. He had a couple games here and there where he yeah. kind of made an appearance. And like you said, I think that he's he really could. raw. He was really raw coming out. Like yeah. he was basically that North Carolina offense sucks for developing receivers. To be honest, he yeah. was basically vertical threat only when he came out, and I still think Washington's kind of treating him that way. Yeah. Um, hopefully, though, he can learn from McLaurin, Dodds, even Curtis Samuel has some wiggle to his route running. Yeah. Brown can take anything from those guys that w- that could really elevate his game. But all right, let's move on. Let's go. So my seven was Washington. Your six was Washington. So throw out your seven. My number seven is the Dallas Cowboys. All right, we're still in the same tier. All we right. agree way more than I thought we would. They are my number eight. Number eight. Okay, so I'm like, well, I'm just like leading the pack a little bit on some things, but yeah, I think that bringing Brandon Cooks in to this room elevates it to another level. Like, it gives yeah. them a legitimate outside receiver. Where now I think you can't like you can actually put Cooks and Gallup on the outside and have CD lamb operate pretty specifically from the slot. Yeah, I agree. And I, I even like cooks can play in the slot too. So like they, they have looks where they like CD on the outside. They're not going to lose much when they do that because cooks can also function from the slot. So those two guys having such versatility, like last year, Noah Brown was slot only. Yeah. And that CD to play on the outside way more than he should have. Yes. With Cook, it's like they get they have a, a lot more alignment versatility. Um I so I do I love that aspect. Yeah, I also I'll, Gallup, Steve, like people expected him to be good last year coming off of a late season ACL tear. I don't know why people keep doing this. We did this with DJ Chark last year too. DJ Chark did not look like the same player post week eleven. <laughs> like no. honestly, he, he looked like a totally different guy, and I think you're gonna see a similar spike from Gallup this year. Now he's he's where he should be as the team's number three receiver now. Yes, but I do think his game is going to get back to where he was really good, which is he's a ball winner, contested catch, body control on the sideline, deep threat, uh, a guy you can you know take shot plays with. So, and I think, I think that I, I think that with like Gallup, it's in it's actually you see with a lot of receivers, it's and or even guys coming back from injury, we're getting more exposure to that. Yes. Like where you see them coming back early and now you expect them to immediately back be back at their peak. And that's yeah, not the case. For receivers too that really rely on leaping and cutting and body control, I just I think it's really tough for them because they're they need to use their those knees to explode. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not like other positions where it's not it, you know, your game's not as explosive. So um and then uh well, I had one more point about Dallas. What was it? Oh, you know, they get, they got like Jalen Tolbert. He was a third-round pick last year. Now, he's shown us nothing, and everything we've heard is that he's just not not a guy. 
Yeah. But I'm not writing a guy off based on one year of tape. Yeah. If he develops a little bit and he can give them some depth there, especially for Gallup, because Gallup's the injury risk of the of yep. the group. If you can give you know a nice backup role to Gallup, I think that could really help that offense too. A l- little bit of insurance, but also keep reps off of Gallup's body. Um, you know, maybe maybe he gets down to like the 450 to 500 snap range and you're letting Tolbert play 250 to 300. Um, I think that could be a big win for them keeping that that unit functioning at a high level all year. So one more quick point cuz I I'll probably put this I'll probably post the posts on Twitter but I was going through watching just receiver film and it was the Dallas, the Cowboys against the uh, against the Bears. CD Lamb, he's so savvy on cross, crossing routes. He's so much fun to watch run that route specifically. Where a lot of a lot throughout the game, they were having him do crossing sit routes. Where you know you, you have him fake across, like run, start running a crossing route, and then kind of sit in the middle of the field and set yourself up there. And he'd run it a couple times in a row, and then he was one on one, man to man with a guy, and he hesitate he did this great hesitation move in the middle of the field and it absolutely froze the defender to where he i mean he created like eight yards of separation it was crazy and it was in like in the red zone it was like they were inside like inside the probably 20 yard line it was either 20 25 yard line and just the way he created separation it was so cool to watch because it was such a smart move. It was the smallest little hitch in his step, but it completely froze the guy to where he got flat-footed and then allowed him to create like eight yards of separation. It was a really fun route to watch. And like that's just what he offers is, you know, him operating in the middle of the field, him operating out of the slot is where he's supposed to be in it. it you know, it every like his targets out of the slot were much more valuable than his targets on the outside. Yeah, we call that a a sit and shake. It's a it's a great route. Kyle Shanahan's offense uses that route quite a bit as well. Um, all right, moving on. Your so your eight was the Vikings. My eight was the Cowboys. I'm going to throw out my number nine team, and this is a, a a new tier for me. So the the Cowboys at eight were the end of that middle tier. Now I think you're getting close to the honorable mention range, where there's probably realistically five to six teams here that could compete for the nine and ten spots. But I, you know, I went with uh, my gut here. Number nine. And I'm guessing you don't have this team in your top 10. This is where I think I said pre-call. I'm going to be a little different. All right. I'll be pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Um, I went with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Yeah, they did not make it into my top 10. I think top to bottom, this this team has a lot of talent. Deontay Johnson, like Terry McLaurin, is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Um, he can do literally just about anything. You can manufacture touches to him in the short parts of the field and get him in the open space for some yak. You, he can just straight up beat man coverage on the outside as an ISO receiver. He can win downfield. He can play in the slot, although they, <clears throat> they never, literally never use him that way. Never. <laughs> literally pin him to the boundary, even though he's 5'10", but whatever. Um, it works for him. He's freaking phenomenal, though. Uh, really, really good receiver. George Pickens going into year two, I expect him to take a step forward, but he's a legit deep threat. Yeah, I think this receiving core in general was hamstrung by Kenny Pickett last year. As yep. Kenny Pickett started to heat up towards the end of the year, these guys started producing a little bit more. They bring in Allen Robinson, and, and Allen Robinson, the notorious Steve hot take of, oh. of Offensive Player of the Year candidate last year, which did not <laughs> manifest, but that's okay. Um, I still think he can play a little bit. And as a three, I think he's going to give Kenny Pickett that short to intermediate big body possession receiver he's going to need to take the next step. And then just depth. They got Calvin Austin and Gunnar Ozlewski. Calvin Austin is – he's every bit uh, of Tank Dell as Tank Dell was this year. I think Calvin Austin was a better prospect. I still believe in him a ton. He can win all three levels of the field, but mostly at his size, you're going to use him in the short parts of the field as a slot receiver. He's got elite speed, elite run-after catchability. I think he's going to bring a lot to that offense this year. And then Gunner, you know, these anytime you need to fill like a fifth, sixth receiver slot, Steve, just find yourself a slot guy who can run routes that can play special teams. And that's what they've done with Gunner. Yeah. Is he is he sexy? Does he move the needle a ton? No, but he'll he'll be productive if he's on the field. Those guys just are. So, yeah, Pittsburgh didn't make my top 10, like I said, but I think they have value in the room. I 
him just low on them. And it's not, it's not even the receiver's fault. It's, I just don't like how Matt Canada deploys them. I just like Deontay Johnson should have such more of a versatile route tree than he gets. They just like, they, like you said, they just underutilize him so much. And it, it like at times it's just like, they just, I, they don't give him enough opportunities or enough chances to win in routes because it like half the game, it feels like he's running the same three routes. And so I think that was where a little bit of my pessimism set in with them. I think like, like you said, as just like players themselves, I think that they do have a very versatile room and they have the ability to elevate Kenny Pickett to help him develop. So I can, I can see where you, I see the path to how they got into your top 10. Yeah. And, and not to overly nerd out here, but there could be some really interesting camp, camp battles as well. Cause for whatever reason, the Steelers have decided they're going to collect everyone's projects over the years <laughs> at receiver. Yeah. They've got like, Three former third round picks that didn't work out on other teams. They got Anthony Miller. They got uh, Miles Boykin. They got, uh, oh my God, who's the other one? There's another one, though. Um, I got to look. I got to look it up because it's going to drive me crazy if I don't get it out of my mind. <laughs> uh, Des Fitzpatrick. So these these receivers that were overdrafted, they they've kind of collected them all, and they're just gonna let these guys compete for a roster spot. And I I I like that approach, though, Steve. Like we're talking like back end of roster guys. Why not? These guys yeah. all came with, with high expectations and high pedigrees. We'll see if one of them can break out in your system. And so, anyways, that's a that's a over unnecessary <laughs> deep view there because chance, chances of those guys making a difference are slim to none. I just still think it's kind of a cool approach to to you know roster construction on the back end yeah and i think anthony miller still has some stands out there he like you thought there was there was a point there where it looked like he could be a legitimate receipt like a legitimate threat as a receiver and then it just kind of fell apart in chicago but i bet he still has a decent amount of fans out there that believe in him all right who's your number nine number nine for me was jacksonville oh my okay i didn't consider them but let's hear it I mean, I, I didn't consider them as in, I did, like I looked at their team. I just didn't put them <laughs> up and, um, I think I I can see why though. Yeah, I think that Zay, like starting with the guys that were there last year, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk were their you know their mainstays last year. The guys that contributed, I really really like what Christian Kirk was able to do out of the slot last year. I think that Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury should be put in jail for the way they utilized him in Arizona because he completely showed himself as a threat out of the slot in Jacksonville. He's again, he's another guy that is a very good route runner, very good in the middle of the field and offers a threat. And Zay Jones, he kind of came alive at the end of the year. And I think that he built up some chemistry with uh, Trevor Lawrence and showed that he can be a threat. He still has that deep threat ability to him. He can, um, he's a very useful receiver. And I think that, him now being the number three and then bringing in Calvin Ridley, who obviously had a year off last year. And then the year before that, didn't he, he was hurt for half the year. He basically quit football. Right. And so hopefully games on left the team. Yeah, that was it. And so hopefully he comes in with a renewed passion for the game, a renewed, you know, just, a revival of him of an ability to kind of, you know, be upset about what happened last year, even though, you know, gambling, that's your own fault, but still, you know, create the chip where you can. And I think he's a good, like, he's a very valuable receiver. Like when he was on the field in Atlanta, he was a legitimate threat and he really showed himself as like starting to ascend to like a bottom of the second tier, mid second tier receiver. And I'm really hoping that, in a room that, I, like like I said, I like Christian Kirk. I like Zay Jones. I think Calvin Ridley can can announce himself as, a, again, a number one receiver in the NFL and have, give him, give that team a chance. And I like um, I like Jamal Agnew as just a, a gadget guy, deep threat, kind of get him the ball and let him go. I think he has, he has a little bit of value there, and they unleashed him a little bit. And then Parker Washington has a chance to – 
be a late round guy that can contribute on that offense. And so no, he, doesn't. he sucks. <laughs> I there's I I think there's a chance with him. I like him. I like a little bit of his game, and I think that he could provide some depth there. You know, even if he is, he's the fifth. Like even if he is at, there at the fifth receiver, you know, I think he has a chance to at least you know maybe even give you like a couple hundred snaps like 200 snaps but and that that might even be way above and that this year probably isn't his year but again i just like what jacksonville could be there i like calvin ridley i really really like christian kirk and i think that he came along really well last year and we could i think we could see him as one of the uh the more premier slot threats in the nfl this year like i think he started to show that ability last year and i think that he could really come along this year as he's built up that chemistry with Christian or um, with Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, like I said, Calvin Ridley opening up that field a little bit and taking some of the focus off of Christian Kirk in the slot. I like what they can, I like what they can be. And I like the the potential that that is there in the room. Yeah. All, all fair points. The only reason I didn't consider Jacksonville for this is just, we haven't seen Calvin Ridley play in basically two years. Um, while I'm rooting for the kid, I hope he, uh, you know, I hope he bounces back in the big way. I just wasn't willing to plant my flag on him being the same guy at this point. But yeah, and that's that's yeah. totally fair. It could completely fall apart from underneath me, and you know, I'm totally willing and willing to accept that outcome. But as like again, looking at it on paper in May, if I think if I if I think Calvin Ridley can be what he can be, I think that this can be this is a top ten receiving room. Awesome. Um, ten. Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. Las Vegas Raiders. Who am I ten? Um, I just couldn't leave Devonte Adams off of a top ten list. He's just too good. Even, even if the supporting cast isn't great. Um, you know, you're looking at Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. Those aren't bad players. They're just yeah. sort of limited in what they do, but they're not bad players at all. So I think Adams, he is as true of a number one as you're going to get. He's in that top five, top tier of best receivers in the NFL. So him alone elevates this this to a top ten team, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro can both play in the slot. I think they're going to rely on Jacoby Myers to play a little bit more outside than New England did, which is going to be interesting because I don't really think he gives them a lot of vertical juice, but he will win in the short parts of the field. So yeah, uh, I do I do like this group though i'm just curious to see how they how it all works together (laughs) yeah and that was what kept them out of the top 10 i mean it like you said it kind of pained me to keep adams out of the top 10 because adams is he's you know he is who he is he's one of the best receivers in the game but for yeah for me it came down to who's their number two like myers and renfro are kind of this like not the same player but they operate in the, from the same spot and so it just i like i didn't the upside wasn't totally there for me and that was what kind of concerned me with them they were i mean if i had to put them they're probably they're probably right there at like 12 13 even maybe even 11 like they're right there but sure it just came down to who's Who's the other? Who's the, who are you going to put on the outside at number two and rely on? So, um, who was your ten? Ten. I actually, as we as we've been talking and we talked about it pre-show, I threw them in there, and it was the Denver Broncos. Okay. And we kind of talked. Yeah, we kind of my- talked about a pre-show. Of that's like, there. I don't know if there's a group that's deeper than them to their fifth receiver. Yeah. You just look on paper from one to five. I don't think any team has more receiver talent like spread out across five players than Denver does. Right. And um, so like, I got it, any of it to work yet. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and then it's, it's pretty, you know, you're projecting and hoping that bringing yeah. in Sean Payton, having a new off, having a little bit of a different offensive system, hoping that Russell Wilson is not the absolute shell of a man that he showed that he was last year, that the team, like the, the room has legitimate juice, Judy Sutton, Tim Patrick, Marvin Mims, KJ Hamler, like KJ Hamler being at number five, he's a legitimate deep threat and a legitimate 
you know, a legitimate weapon that you can utilize in that offense. And so I just, yep. I would be remiss, I'd be remiss not to mention them because I do think that they have so much talent while they may not have like their bona fide number one guy who's, you know, winning every down in down out that you can rely on. I think that, you know, as a whole, they have an opportunity to be a really, really legitimate room and a, a team that like, like I said, I, if Russell Wilson, if assuming and hoping for their sake that last year was an anomaly brought on by just a kind of a, just a bad situation with the coaching and overall a bad offensive system and injuries popping up here and there. Like I just, it's, it's a good room of like, you got you've got three number twos. And if Marvin Mims announces himself and really shows out to be what a lot of analysts and like a lot of people think he could potentially be potentially have like four number two receivers on the team. Yep. A lot of varied skill sets as well. They've got some possession type receivers. They got some route runners, some speedsters. So I definitely like the, the compilation of parts there. They just got to get, production out of this unit now obviously the trade rumors of judy and sutton are you know concerning as well but it is what it is for right now they're on the Denver broncos and i still think they can both play i think judy's best football is definitely ahead of him yes um, had a, a rough go of it so far a lot of that's qb play um especially i didn't i didn't pay attention a whole lot late in the season this year but i know his first two years in the league when i went back and watched the tape i could not believe how often this guy was open and just not throwing the football um, which is he was doing the same things he's doing at Alabama very well for Denver. Um, just wasn't getting the football, so I don't know. I don't know how to rectify that. I don't know how they get it right, but they need to because they got a lot of talent. So yeah, and I mean Jerry Judy, he pops up for like me, you, and Chris, and I like Chris has mentioned it a couple times, and so is Scott Barrett. But like when we look at the splits between yards per route run against zone coverage and yards per route run against man coverage. Judy was an absolute monster against man coverage. Like he was like breaking the chart to the point where like he just, like it was absurd. He, and you know, like you said, he gets open often. It's just that apparently nobody can ever find him. Yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully the Sean Payton offense will do him a lot of favors. So, all right, Steve, let's get out of here. We've spent an hour talking receivers. We'll be back next week with a nerdy schedule show, probably. Um, if we have time, maybe we'll throw in some some position talk as well. Um, I don't know for some of these other positions that our listeners probably don't care as much about, like edge and D-tackle. Maybe we don't need to go 10 deep. We can go 5 deep. Yeah. So with that said, maybe we, maybe we squeeze a, a position group in next week. Maybe not, though. You'll have to listen to find out. So, <laughs> I don't know. Schedule release could go a while. It could. That's going to be so much fun to talk about. Yeah. Well, and I'm more excited just to see all the ridiculous hot takes that get thrown out there. That we can. Oh, yeah. I mean, my favorite, I think, like, schedule release, I love the time of year because it also leads to all the fans writing out the schedule on paper yeah. and how no team is getting less than 10 wins. I love it. Or it's it's they don't won't always predict ten wins, but they'll say, you know, <laughs> a legitimate pathway here for ten wins. Yeah, if things floor go at, right. Floor is at like six, but I see a pathway to a twelve. Yeah. 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 Oh, and our our rival just happens to have, in my opinion, a very difficult schedule compared to us, so that favors us as well. <laughs> the mental yes. gymnastics that we'll go through to try to feel yes. good. Yes. So Sometimes you just have to embrace the suck if your team's not good. It's, it's, it's a suck year. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's better. It's in, you know, some of the blue, obviously some of the blue blood teams, it's hard to swallow a little bit more than yeah. it is for some of the teams that are used to being near the bottom. But yep. <laughs> it's a great time of year. The NFL does it so well with like two weeks of draft talk, then boom, schedule release. And then you're going to get two weeks of that. And then boom, you're getting into mini camps. And then you get to yep. time out of that. Like it's so perfectly spaced out. I love it. Yep, for sure. All right, we're out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Out.
Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Thank you.